0: Hi, and welcome to the podcast, Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman.
1: Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike.
0: Hi, Hi, Kelly. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer and combat vet.
2: Hey, good morning, Marna. Good morning, Kelly.
0: Morning to you too, Mike. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations, that will help you scrutinize your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. The subject of today's show is mind your own business or step in. Where do we draw the line and when should we act? Let's start with the first ethical dilemma. This really happened uh, to me a couple of years ago in our neighborhood. Our next door neighbors decided that their summer childcare plan for their four young children would be to leave them at the house alone all day. The children ranged in age from five or six to age 11 or so, and two of them were special needs kids. There was also a pool in the backyard, but the children were instructed to stay inside all day. They each had a television in their room to keep them occupied. And the mother came home at lunch to check on them. The father was gone a lot because he was in the military but he was in the household so as a neighbor do you step in or do you just leave the situation alone and I'm going to start with Mike who is the father himself of four children
2: oh thanks Marna you know I think this one is uh, pretty cut and dried in my mind this is parental malpractice it, it's parental malpractice on a couple different counts. Number one, the oldest kid is 11. You know, it'd be different if the oldest kid was 17. Number two, there are two special needs kids. I, I don't know how, what the nature of their uh, limitations uh, is, but um, that presents a whole different uh, scenario, puts a whole other angle to this. And then, you know, Pools are one of the great neighborhood killers in this country, along with trampolines. And um, so to have one in the backyard, I'm assuming it's, you know, if it's fenced, that's fine. But I'm sure the kids can probably get into it if they want to. Um, that, that further ups the ante. So I think in this case, uh, for the for the benefit of those children, you have to do something. And I think in, you know, most of what you'll hear me talk about today is you, you, you inquire. You inquire with the mom in this case, and you say, hey, you know, this is what I see. Am I seeing this correctly? And um, you have to have the gumption and the guts to do that. Um, if you don't, I mean, there's plenty of uh, public service organizations that'll help you out with that. Um, and so I think, I think you really have to step in because you know at stake in this uh, are four young lives and I frankly can't believe a responsible parent would even would even consider this arrangement.
0: So you think talking to the parents first of all inquiring and then if you don't get any uh, reasonable answer or any action moving on to an agency that can help you?
2: Yeah absolutely I mean if you were in the state of Illinois uh, this is Patently illegal. A child under the age of fourteen cannot be left at home alone. Um, now that may be a little extreme. Some people would argue a kid who's, you know, younger than that could could stay home at stay home stay at home alone. But state of Illinois doesn't think so. So anyhow, yes, this is this is pretty cut and dried, and I think it's incumbent on any any adult who sees this situation to step in because again four young lives are at stake here. Uh,
0: Kelly, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I agree with Mike. But it's, this is a tough situation, and it's complicated. Um, I'm going to kind of joke and say there's a lot of crazy people out there. <laughs> there really is. <laughs> and this is crazy. Um, on the other hand, this person is your neighbor, and you don't want issues with your neighbor. I mean, that could just be terrible. Um, also, whenever things happen, I, I always try to think, OK, I want let me put myself in their position. Let me try to understand their point of view. And so if I do that here, I don't understand it. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Um, but I also have to think about, OK, what about the fact that I don't want us to become the Hatfields and the McCoys, or what if you know, there's somebody unstable in the family that decides to, you know, cause issues for my family and my children. So it, it just really gets tricky. And, you know, we talk on this show about communication, which is what Mike was talking about, going and speaking with the neighbor. And we talk about, um, you know, integrity and transparency, um, and living and acting consistent with our values. I'm going to talk about doing something a little underhanded here because I want to protect the children um, and I don't want any problems for me or my family. Um, My feeling is speaking to somebody that's done this is not going to be particularly helpful um, because their judgment to me seems so impaired. It's not even clear to me if the 11 year old is is a special needs child um, and if this person expects that their children are going to follow their instructions, um, then their children are different than mine. Um, it just doesn't make sense. So I, I think what, what I would do is, you know, either contact the police um, you know, uh, anonymously and let them go to the house and see what's going on at, with the hope that they would involve the Department of Social Services or Family Services which would counsel and provide support to the family Um, or i would contact the department of social services directly Um, i would be reluctant to go that route because department of social services depending upon the jurisdiction or the county often is so overwhelmed i mean they are underpaid overworked overstressed it's just terrible so i would probably call the police um, and allow them to handle it and, you know, call anonymously without providing my information, you know, if that was possible. I mean, there are great resources online. Um, For example, in Northern Virginia, um, a number of counties and jurisdictions have come together and they've put together guidelines, um, really specific guidelines for when it's appropriate to leave children alone, their age, a number of issues to consider, whether it's day or night. Um, there's a really a lot of helpful stuff out there but you know this person just really you know it's just I cannot understand the thought process.
0: The thought process for them I believe was they wanted to save money. They had money I mean they had a pool they had a boat they had a big house but the cost of paying for childcare for four children was more than they wanted to pay so that's why they landed on this particular solution
1: Well, maybe don't have four children, (laughs) because, I mean, it's just I cannot wrap my head around um, the facts here and the decision-making here, and I totally agree with Mike. You've got to do something, because there could be a tragedy, and, you know, these children's lives are potentially at stake.
0: Well, I think you both are right. I think you both agree. Um, The situation was made a little bit more difficult for me because— we had a sort of a conflicted relationship with these neighbors, and to make it even worse, my husband at the time was gone a lot. So I was there at the house with just my two children, and I was kind of worried about the stability of those folks over there and what they might do when my husband was gone and I was alone with the two kids. But I did keep an eye on things, and um, I asked a friend of mine about it, she was a nurse, and she said, Marna, that's illegal, they can't do that. And I said, but if I call somebody, it's gonna create problems between me and them and and that kind of conflict, and I'm kind of worried that that could escalate. And so um, she suggested that I just call Child Protective Services and have a neutral discussion with them. Uh, Not reporting anything, just saying, this is what I'm seeing, what do you suggest I do? And um, to my regret, I never did that. I did keep an eye on things over at the house. And one day when there was a tornado warning, the mother called um, the house and told all the kids to come over to my house and get in the basement with me. (laughs) So that's how bad bad it was. Other than than that, she never talked to me. She just sent her kids over during the tornado warning. (laughs)
1: That's well,
2: amazing. That is yeah, I mean. absolutely amazing. And, you know, you said in here that this was a military family. And um, I, I guess it, <laughs> it may be naive of me, but I, I think there's a certain standards in the military community that ideally we all adhere to. And, um, and you know, responsibility and good decision making are things that we train on. And so to see this example in parenting um, is is unbelievable. So,
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, one thing I would say, though, Marna, is your friend that said it's illegal. I mean, it does vary from state to state, but I, I mean, I did a little research before today's podcast and I did not locate, you know, any specific statutes um, in Virginia regarding leaving your children at home. Um, there really are a number of factors and it's really a judgment call. Um, at least that's what I I saw now, if you talk about leaving a child unattended in a car, um, you know there are some laws in certain states um, in that regard. you know about nineteen or twenty states have laws with regard to leaving children usually under a certain age unattended in a car because there have been so many deaths. but there aren't a lot of laws or statutes in this regard no you're right,
0: and this was in Tennessee and after this was all done, I met somebody who worked for um Department of Children and Youth in Tennessee, and I posed this to her and I said, "What, you know, what is the statute? What are the guidelines?" And, and she said, "We look at it at a case-by-case basis."
1: Yeah. And I have a funny story. I mean, it's tough being a parent. So uh, I I had something <laughs> happen to me um you know, which I used my judgment and it all worked out fine, but um, I had had my third child and my husband was away on a business trip. Uh, My oldest was 10 um, and our daughter, our middle child, was six and uh, our youngest had just, you know, he was like seven or eight weeks old. And I needed to run to the Rite Aid to get medication for the baby. So I determined that this was the time to leave the kids at home because it's so much trouble getting them in the car and buckled in and oh, driving. Yeah. and then Act I'd of have Congress. To, act of so, Congress. <laughs> yeah, I have to leave in the leave them in the car, which I didn't think that was a good idea. So, I give my ten-year-old instructions. You know, I'll be back in fifteen or twenty minutes. I'm just running to the Rite Aid. You know, it's three or four miles away. I'm, you know, I've thought this through. I think it's a good decision. So I put the baby in the car. He's got his baby seat, and I. Go up to the Rite Aid. I, you know, carry in the, um, the the baby car seat, get his medicine. You know, buckle him back in the car, drive home. You know, get to the corner, look at our driveway, and there's a police officer in the driveway. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, I am a bad mother. <laughs> I've left my ten and six year old at home. It's only been about twenty minutes, but so I get the baby out of the car. I walk in. Front doors open, police officers talking to my son. He says, hello, ma'am. I say, hello, officer. <laughs> Just ran to the Rite eh, Aid to get baby, baby medicine. Um, is everything OK? Um, so you know, very polite and cooperative with him. And he explains to me that they had received a 911 call and that it was a hang up. And they called back several times. Nobody answered. So they came to the house to do a welfare check. And so he kind of lectured me about 911 and was also lecturing my 10 year old. Um, and of course I listened and yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir. And you know my son was just standing there with these huge eyes. And anyways, he just left and you know, indicated to my son, you know, you don't want to make that call unless you need help. And um, So nothing happened. I wasn't in trouble, but, um, you didn't it, it get scolded? W- it was hysterical. And I said to my son, I said, Sean, what, what happened? <laughs> and he said, well, well Mom, I, I just I, I wanted to explain to Aaron about how you dial 911 in case there's an emergency. You know." So I dialed it Okay. Yeah. that they would come. And then when they were, the phone was ringing, I didn't think I should answer the phone. <laughs> so anyways, that's well, my one time that I did something. And of course, the police came. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story.
0: So you're scared straight.
1: <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was it. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, I think
0: we all have that story about our kids dialing 911 and hanging up and then a policeman showing up at your door. That's happened to me too.
1: Just not when you left your kids <laughs> alone unattended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right.
0: Well, we will be right back with our second scenario. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. The second scenario happened while I was living in Savannah in a downtown neighborhood where the townhomes were really close together. I lived in an old commercial building which had been converted into three condominiums, and the owner of the unit next to me couldn't find a renter, so she decided to move her event planning business in there. It was a business office with an employee and an intern and numerous vendors coming and going through the back deck door, which we, which we shared. We shared the back deck. The owner actually lived somewhere else, so she wasn't running this out of her spare bedroom. It was exclusively an office, and I wondered whether the area was zoned for business, and an architect friend showed me how to check. It turns out the dwelling was zoned residential, not business, so she was in violation
1: of the zoning law. What would you do? Kelly, let's start with you, the lawyer. <laughs> Uh, this is another tough one, because it's a neighbor situation. And you want to have a good relationship with those neighbors and you don't want any issues. Um, I would talk with her. Uh, I'm less concerned about her than I was with our first scenario, um, because I just felt that the under the first scenario, the two adults just seemed very out of touch. Um, but in this case, perhaps she doesn't realize that there are zoning restrictions, and perhaps she doesn't realize the impact that this is having on you. Particularly when you have a shared deck, maybe she doesn't realize there's so many vendors coming and going. So, I would just have a direct conversation with her and let her know um, the impact that this is having on you, um, and and you know that you found out indirectly um, from another person that. That it wasn't zoned properly, and that it was residential only, um, and you would appreciate it, you know, if she would, you know, abide by the zoning restrictions and have the property used for residential purposes only. Um, and I would hope, you know, hopefully that would work, but frankly, I doubt it would. But that's what I'd I was going to say. <laughs> I'd give that a try first. Give her the opportunity. And, you know, from there, you could then, you know, involve the authorities. Although, I think a lot of these zoning laws do not have a lot of teeth. It would be, you know, really notice and fines for the most part. So. Yeah. Mike, do you agree?
2: Uh, I agree with Kelly. I mean, there's an outside chance that perhaps a variance was granted. And, or somehow this was grandfathered, but you... I assume you were the owner of the adjacent dwelling, um, it being a condominium. So you would have known that when you bought it. Um, yeah, I think this really goes outside the bounds of uh, not just not just the law, but courtesy uh, to, to move into a place and not even intend to make it your own dwelling, but to run your business out of it when it clearly is a residence and not a business location. Uh, You didn't address parking, but I mean, I I wonder, like, does this mean your street was clogged with extra vehicles and you had deliveries coming and going? And um, I imagine it was probably a pretty difficult situation. So, again, speaking to the person who lives next door or who has an office next door, I think that's the first step. If not, there are public assistance offices. There are organizations that will do this for you. So those are my thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree, Mike. The thing that thing here is, you know, there's no health or safety issues apparent, right? Unless you have some kind of dangerous vendor or somebody that comes on site, which could happen, right? But, right. I mean, mm-hmm. some of our other scenarios, you're talking about, you know, really arguably life or death situations. So this one is a little bit... Um, I think more nuanced, um, although I think I thought the other one had some nuances as well. I, I, the problem is people are crazy and you just don't know how she's gonna respond and she could make your life difficult. So
0: well, you're, you're both right about um, that confronting her directly. Uh, she didn't seem exactly warm and friendly. Like somebody who was moving a business into the place next to me, she didn't really reach out as a neighbor She wasn't very neighborly. She didn't come to us and say, "What uh, you know? We want this to work. Uh, Would you please tell us if there's something? If there's a problem, I want to get to know you." I don't think she ever learned my name. For example, whenever she left a note on my mailbox, it always just said "neighbor, comma, hi neighbor." Um, So I what I decided to do was call the local zoning office and. Just I thought I was having an informational interview with them and they said um, well it is possible to have a, an office in that particular residence but you have to apply for it and you have to get a waiver and I don't have any waiver on file for that so I was like okay well thank you um, but what I didn't realize was they, they were going to send somebody from the office to that address which they did and discovered that it was being solely used as an office. They asked to see the business permit, and of course they had no business permit because those are specific to um, addresses. You, To have a legitimate business permit, you have to have an address that's zoned for business, and they didn't. So they got fined for that, and they had to go to a hearing and apply for a waiver, and um, needless to say, she wasn't too happy with me. <laughs> And she was kind of crazy. She was kind of a whack job. Uh, But she did what the city said and um, got the waiver, did the hearing. But after that, I got all kinds of really wacko letters taped to my door from her and all passive-aggressive stuff um, on the patio and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's just sometimes you wonder if it's worth it. It was I mean, scary. <laughs> that, I and mean, that's the thing. I, I mean, I can tell you just from practicing law, first of all, there's so many good people out there that do so many wonderful things. But you know, similarly, there's so many crazy people. And often it's not the people you'd think. Like you can't, you definitely can't judge a book by its cover. I mean, so many times I've had the salt of the earth people that you know have heavy metal t-shirts on beards covered with tattoos that are so helpful and so kind um you know meanwhile I'm sort of making a judgment and you've got the guy in the Lexus you know that looks like a million bucks who's got a gun on him and if somebody cuts him off he's hanging his gun out the window threatening them
0: oh geez
1: (laughs) You know, I've, I've had that happen with clients. I mean, it's just, it's a scary world. You have to be very careful. Um, you know, I had an incident once when I was very young and I was first practicing law, and there was a woman who I later found out was mentally ill. Everybody knew it in the town, and social services was in and out, and she was walking across a highway with three little kids. She wasn't holding their hands. They were all about... 10, 12 feet apart. And I stopped my car, and I sort of stepped out of the door, and I put my hands up like, like what are you doing? Um, and that was kind of my first lesson. I hadn't handled a lot of cases, and, and hadn't dealt with a lot of people that weren't stable. She stood in front of my car, pounded her fist on my car, screamed at me for like five minutes. Um, the kids are wandering all over the highway. I, you know, wow. I, what I a thought, scary scene. Yeah, and I thought, wow, I've put the kids more at risk, you know? And and you know, I get in my car, I'm just sitting there waiting for her, eventually she moved. And then as I was in court more in my local county, she would be in and out. Her husband, the father of the children, was in court a lot for drunk in public. Just really difficult situation. So
0: Yeah. Well you never know when you when you step in on some of these things, it, it for a couple months there, I was in a really uncomfortable situation with my neighbor till I moved. But uh, I, you know, I I stepped in yeah, with some I regrets. Just, um,
2: so I I hear what both of you are saying, but I, I'd also uh, I just like to make the point that you know a, a civil and functioning um, society kind of depends on certain standards of behavior being expected and in some cases being, if not enforced, at least having people be reminded of them. And, um, you know, I I know that's easy for me to say. It's very hard to put into practice. But I think we all have to find those moments when we can step in and make a difference, Um, not putting ourselves at risk, not putting our families at risk, but You know, letting people know that, hey, that wasn't appreciated. Or, hey, we don't do that around here. Or, hey, I don't understand. This looks kind of funny to me. Maybe you can help me understand it. And um, I think think if we all stop doing that at the same time, our otherwise functional neighborhoods and towns, they lose a lot. So I just throw that out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree, Mike. I think... you know it's hard because of the way a lot of people are or a number of people are in society it's particularly hard for a woman um you just don't feel safe exactly
2: yeah i i'll I'll grant you that um and that that is that is a distinct difference and you know i come from a background where you know when you live a you live a life that brings with it a whole lot of threat and then you know (laughs) Maybe I'm just looking for more risk in my life. I don't know. Um, <laughs> having having lived that for a very long time. but uh,
0: I will call you to be the enforcer. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's funny. I, I It sort of goes against my nature. I don't like to get into other people's business. But I tell you, when I see something that's not quite right, and, and I feel I can do something about it in a positive way, um, you know, I, I just... I feel personally uh, responsible to try to at least attempt and uh, so
0: okay well yeah.
2: I, I do tr- hear the woman thing that that's uh, you know that's right. definitely a uh,
0: does put you in a vulnerable position is. well let's test out your okay. um, your conviction here with the next scenario oh
2: I knew you uh, were gonna do that also oh.
0: involving my back deck in Savannah <laughs> uh, which overlooked the front door of my next-door neighbor and my next-door neighbor was um, a friend of mine, a young single woman, and I knew that she was gone for the weekend, and I knew her boyfriend was staying in her apartment for the weekend. He He lived out of town. So I was sitting on my back deck late at night with a friend, drinking wine, and at midnight, we see the boyfriend arrive home with another woman, and they go in the apartment. They stay about an hour, and then they leave through the front door, standing on the stoop they embrace, and then they walk off together. And my friend and I both looked at each other, and my friend said, that doesn't look good. And I said, I know. I wonder if I should tell my neighbor. Uh, I was all about telling her that night, and the next day I thought maybe I should just mind my own business. What do you think, Mike?
2: Well, I knew you were going to give me this one. Um, this is tough. This is really, really tough. And, and, you know, there's some things here which maybe you can shed some light on for us. You know, how well did you know her? Uh, did you know the boyfriend? Um, did you have a sense of the strength of their relationship? Um, I would just say to start, number one, you need to be certain what you saw was what it sort of looked like. And, you know, was this, was this him carrying on with another woman while his girlfriend was out of town in her house, no less. Um, so if, if you're certain about that and you have some evidence and your friendship with this gal was strong and, you know, there was some, some real, uh, investment between the two of you in, in your own relationship as neighbors, you know, I, I would fully understand at that point, um, you know, at least inquiring and maybe saying, hey, how, how are things with your boyfriend? You know, I know he was here last weekend. You know, you weren't here. Are things okay? And, uh, you know, gain some information. Kind of go at it tangentially. Um, that would be my approach. And then then at some point, you're going to have to make the tough call. Um, so kind
0: of soft soft shoe your way into it.
2: Yeah, um, because, you know, I, I, I think it, I know it would be different if there was a marriage here involved you know a marriage is a legal contract and you know boyfriend girlfriend less so so you you know it I, I think there's more information that needs to be gathered and and if everything keeps pointing towards hey uh, my neighbor my friend is clearly being taken advantage of here then i would I would think you would want to act at that point
0: Kelly, what do you think?
1: First of all, who knew that Savannah was so excited?
0: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> I got to get down there because it's a happening place. It is a happening place. <laughs> it
0: is. So many um, people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, maybe it's his sister or his cousin, you know? You, you don't know. Um, it's possible. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kidding, but... I mean, are you ready to lose that friendship? Because she is going to take his side. She's been with him six years. Yeah. He's probably been running around on her the whole time. I'm assuming she's not stupid. So, you know, if you're ready to lose the friendship, you know, go ahead and tell her. Um, I mean, six years is a long time. Uh, If they're not married, then, you know, that may be a reflection on the relationship. I, again, I'm getting back to sort of what I was talking about on the first scenario which is um, trying to protect yourself and your friendship um, by acting um, in an underhanded way. <laughs> uh, again, I'm kidding but I don't <laughs> think I don't think you can go to her because you're gonna lose that friendship. you may be living next door to somebody who's then hostile towards you and the boyfriend is going to be super hostile towards you because he's probably not going anywhere so if it really bothered me i might leave her a note or something you know anonymous where i just you know kind of described what i saw and you know want, you know let her know wanted to bring it to her attention you know for her consideration or you know investigation should she you know deem appropriate, or something like that.
0: So Mike suggests uh, subtle inquiry. You suggest maybe an anonymous note, or just leaving it alone, if you care about the friendship.
1: Yeah, because I, I think she's got to know, right? And I don't think the friendship would survive your going to her. And I think she's going to take its side. At least that's been my experience with these kinds yeah. of things.
0: Yeah, that that was my thought, is that she's going to kill the messenger. That's why the next
1: day I was all
0: about, I'm just going to mind my own business.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I feel bad talking about handling things indirectly or jokingly in an underhanded way. But sometimes I think that's the best way to help someone while at the same time protecting yourself, right, especially when it's a neighbor, when they're sitting right there next to you.
0: Right. Well, let me tell you what happened. Um, You know, we were pretty good friends. not super close, but pretty good, and I ran into her when she got home, and we were sitting on my front stoop, and, um, and she did mention that she and her boyfriend had broken up. So at that point, I said, well, did he mention anything about what he did Saturday night? And she said, "Ah, oh, I think he was out with some friends. And I said, well, let me tell you what I saw. And I described the scenario I just described to you, and she, uh, she kind of sat there for a while, and she goes, thank you for telling me. And, uh, and then we just left it, and things were fine after that. But my thought was, you know, we women got to stick together. <laughs> Let me tell you what I saw.
1: <laughs> you can do with yeah. it what you want. Yeah, but would you have done that? If she hadn't broken up with him,
0: that's a tough question.
1: Um, I think I might have.
0: I think I might have. But I would have, as you know, as you, you both kind of suggest, soft shoe. Like, th- let me just tell you what I saw. Maybe there is some explanation. Maybe she can find out. But not jumping to any conclusions. This is what I saw.
1: Yeah,
2: I don't. I think in most situations that is going to be a pretty good start point to solve these things and um, you know just going in and developing the situation again don't don't jump to don't jump to a a brash conclusion up front and start making accusations but gather information see what's going on
0: that's really um, good advice yeah Mhm. So speaking of brass situations, brash situations, uh, this also happened in Savannah. You're right, Kelly. It's a crazy town. Uh, I read this in the newspaper. I didn't actually witness this firsthand. Um, but for our purposes, we'll use second-person pronoun. You see two men carrying an unconscious woman in a downtown area with lots of nightlife, bars, nightclubs, restaurants, etc. Do you do anything? Do you step in directly? Kelly?
1: You bet I do. I call the police immediately. Um, I make it very clear, you know, 911. I make it very clear um, this woman is in grave danger or it appears that way. Um, And then I keep my eyes on her. I mean, as best I can, Uh, you know, I follow them if I can. I don't want to put myself in danger, but if they get her in a car and start moving, I don't know. It's, it's really all over. A bad, yeah. It's bad situation. So if I can do that, if I can enlist other people to help me, if I'm in a car and they start trying to take off, maybe I hit them. I know this sounds crazy, but I think these are like sort of game time decisions. But I've got to do something to keep them from relocating her. I mean, it could be totally innocent. Uh, she could be their friend. She could be passed out. They could just be taking her home. But I think I have to assume the worst.
0: Okay, no two ways about it. You'd stop it. Absolutely. And Mike?
2: So I'm going back to gathering more information. I mean, Kelly may be right, but on the other hand, it might be two friends taking care of somebody. And uh, I look at how my kids act. My kids are all in their 20s. And, um, you know, they have these remarkable friend groups who are very, very dedicated to one another. Uh, men and women, boys and girls, and uh, they really, really take care of each other. And in most cases, there's no romantic uh, connection between any of them. And And so I would just say, I would walk up and say, hey, you know, do you need help? Do you need me to help you? You've got somebody who's in trouble here. Can I call 911? And you'll very quickly figure out if this is something where um, there's uh, someone helping somebody out or there's somebody taking advantage of somebody so um i would start there but it is definitely a very difficult and dire situation it could change remarkably quickly i think kelly's comment on the car is is huge because once they've gotten in a car and left the scene then you know terrible things can happen but uh you gotta you gotta start by if, if i were helping somebody out like a friend um, and someone came up and hit me first. Uh, that would not be a good thing. So, um, I think you got to ask a few questions.
0: Okay. Well, first of all, this actually happened, and the person seeing the scene was an army guy in Savannah, and he said uh, that doesn't. He said to himself that doesn't look right, and he immediately called nine one one, and he said I'm going to keep them in my sight, and I'm going to direct the police to the situation and uh the when the police arrived they the three people well the two guys and the unconscious woman were already at a car and um well not to get too graphic but their motives the two men's motives were very unsavory and they were already like they were already underway in the back seat so that guy who called 911 did a remarkable thing and probably save that woman from a lot of trauma and I applaud him because he noticed it we don't always notice things on busy streets but he noticed it and he actually acted and um, and his actions prevented something awful so I think it's I I agree with Kelly Uh, from now on if I saw something questionable I would I'm really not in a position to you know step in like you said Mike being a petite woman, mm-hmm. facing right. two two men, <laughs> um, no, no, I, I get
2: it. I get it.
0: But I think I would err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what Mike says it is would work really well for Mike and for some men. Um, but I think for a woman, um, I, I think it's best just to assume the worst, um, and you know call for help and and try to keep an eye on things.
0: All right. We will be right back with some end notes for this show. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. We're at the end notes portion of our program, and that's where we'd like to leave you with a few things to think about until the next episode. Mike, what would you like to say?
2: You know, um, all four of these episodes bring to mind for me uh, a close friend and he's a police officer. He serves in Denver and, um, he is, obviously that's his line of work. And, uh, it's, uh, I think in many ways it's his life's calling, but he makes a deliberate effort to, uh, even when he's off duty to get involved in situations where he might make a difference. And it can just be, somebody being unreasonable in a, in a restaurant, for example, or yelling at their kids in a way which, you know, doesn't seem right. And, and he just steps up and he, he very subtly and very quietly and, in a in a manner that's as, as unthreatening as he's able to summon says, Hey, you know, what's going on here? Is there something, something I should know about? And he does identify himself as a police officer, but I think, uh, you know, he has been an example for me in how to be a, a positive influence in our, in our society. Um, and uh, I've learned a lot from him in that regard. So I think when we can make a difference, when we can get involved, not putting ourselves at risk, not putting our families at risk, um, I think it's our responsibility to do that. So that's my closing thought for today.
0: And I would love to learn about that technique on how to diffuse situations rather than escalate them. (laughs) Kelly, do you have anything?
1: Sure. I I mean my preference is to mind my own business. (laughs) Um, I like to volunteer. Um, I like to support clients and help people um, when they ask for help. But my preference is just to mind my own business. On the other hand, your actions do define who you are um, particularly when it comes to challenging or difficult circumstances. And for me, I think the, the bar or the test is when another person's health or safety is at risk, um, particularly children, um, you know, particularly the most vulnerable in our society. Um, however, when you step in, I think you need to be careful um, because your safety can become at risk um, if you upset um, somebody that's not entirely stable. So I think that these kinds of situations need to be handled with care.
0: I agree. And I'm going to leave it there. Like I said, all these scenarios happen to me, and uh, some of them I'm happy with the way I handle it. Some of them I have regrets and learned a few things. When I know better, I do better. That's all for this episode of Ethics and Etiquette. Thanks for listening, and remember... If you want to support what we're doing, please share, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcast. And please visit our website, ethicsandetiquette.com, for show notes and resources. For Kelly Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Please join us next week for an all-new episode. See you then.